With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride here. The Raiders are coming off an improbable victory that has kept their very, very slim playoff hopes still alive and makes this Saturday's Christmas Eve matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers even more special as the Raiders and Steelers are tied at 6-8, and eight, and this is the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. So for this week's Behind Enemy Lines co- co- podcast, as I fumbled my words there, please welcome Dave Schofield from Behind the Steel Curtain, SB Nation's site that covers all things Steelers. Dave, thanks for coming on, man. How are you doing? I'm doing as well as Steelers Nation can do on a time like this, but uh, I'm here and always ready to talk Steelers. Awesome. Well, obviously, the uh, the big news coming in today on uh, what is today, Wednesday, Wednesday morning, passing of Franco Harris. So I figured we'd start there just talking about the Immaculate Reception. I know what that play means to Raiders fans, but I'm curious what that play means from uh, Steelers fans' perspective. And can you touch and shine some light on uh, – what Franco Harris really means to the Steelers fans. Yeah. First to start with the immaculate reception. I I wasn't alive for it. I'm sure you weren't alive I for it. Um, there's so many different, you know, legendary things about it. Even yesterday before Franco passed away, uh, coach Tomlin spoke about how he joked and said, I was in section 135 because he then said how he's met over 75,000 people that have claimed to have been at that game, which obviously isn't true. That's mm-hmm. one of those legendary things around Pittsburgh. <laughs> people say they were there when they weren't, but some people that, that even when it happened, didn't realize still the historical significance of that play. Not only did that give the Steelers their first ever postseason victory, that was the first touchdown they ever scored in the playoffs. I mean, they had been around since 1933 and had not even scored a touchdown in the Mm -hmm. postseason until that play. That gave them their first postseason victory. Of course, they they lost to the 72 Dolphins after that, but that went on to – it started the fire. It showed that the the franchise was making a turn. They were getting to where they needed to be, and it – propelled them into four Super Bowls in six seasons, starting in 74. But Franco Harris is so much more than that play. He is so much more than that play. I mean, he was he was a rookie, but his career and what he meant to that dynasty is so much more than people realize. Because anymore you hear Franco Harris and you think of that play, but he was so much more as a football player. And then he was so much more as a man than he was as a football player. And what he has done for the city of Pittsburgh and constantly still involved in around the players and the team and just how he reaches out to the city and has a a passion for for the city and for young people. Uh, Coach Tomlin talked about him being on the the same uh, committee with his wife about um, some various things around Pittsburgh. And he was just an amazing man. So it's it really is um, uh, a heavy heart now with Steelers fans and the entire organization because his his jersey number is getting retired in that game. And that's only the third 
jersey that the Steelers have ever retired. They don't do this. And they made a big deal when they announced it this summer that it would be Franco Harris, who it was almost a, a total agreement across Steelers Nation. So that's what he really means to the city of Pittsburgh and to this team. And it's just, it's a big loss. Yeah, it's it's funny you bring that up because I obviously didn't grow up a Steelers fan, don't have a ton of memories of Franco Harris, but I can remember going to a, a Raiders game and like seeing him on the sidelines and, you know, you talking about him as a person, like he was hanging out with the, the 70s Raiders that were, you know, on the other side of that uh, immaculate reception, hanging out with Phil V and like they're laughing, cutting it up. And like, you could just tell like he's a well-respected guy. And like, you could tell yes. like even against opponents and stuff like that, he was uh, obviously like well-revered and well-liked. So definitely a sad day in the NFL. Um, but the other thing that you kind of brought up was it, it launching the Steelers dynasty. Yeah. Like, depending on how sick and twisted your sense of humor is, the Raiders <laughs> have kind of done that twice now. If you think about it, with the with where they've been on the wrong end of a crazy play with the immaculate reception, <laughs> yeah. and then with the Patriots and, and, the, and then the the the, the, tuck the rule, yeah, the tuck tuck rule, rule. yeah, that and oh. that launched the Patriots Super Bowl. So I, I don't that's, know. That's that's hard to that's hard to take when you think about it like that. Yeah, that not coming from the Raiders' perspective, that's that's two different dynasties. You guys have said set off and been on the wrong end of it. But uh, in order to be on the wrong end of it, you have to be a relevant team in the first. Exactly. Place. Exactly. Yeah, a little bit of life of a Raiders fan, but like you said, had to be relevant at some point to to get there. Well, let's move on to the present day and talk about this weekend's game. I'd like to start at quarterback with Kenny Pickett. Any word on if he's going to be able to play tonight? I know the the injury report's been a little delayed with the the Harris news. Yeah, he's 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 going to be fine. Coach Tomlin talked about it yesterday um, in his press conference on Tuesday, and pe some people took it as that he'd cleared the concussion protocol. I'm I've I dove into the concussion protocol like crazy um, when they when they changed everything and really tried to become familiar with it. There are certain phases that you go. Coach Tomlin said he's basically out of the protocol. He needs to check a box. Well, that box is the last phase where you have to go through a full practice with, with everything and, and, and be cleared, which they fully expected him to do would have happened already. If the Steelers would have practiced. So they, they did practice on Wednesday. They don't have the injury report out yet because of everything with Franco, but I, th there's really no concern at all about Kenny Pickett being able to play in this game. Gotcha. So just judging off the stat sheet, it kind of seems like Hickett was what, making a, a bunch of rookie mistakes early in the year. I believe all of his eight of his interceptions came in the first five games, but it seems like he's at least cleaned it, cleaned it up and being a little bit more of like a, a game manager in the last few weeks. Can you talk about his growth throughout the year? Yeah, I mean, a lot of things changed at the bye. Um, since the bye week, Kenny Pickett has not had a turnover. Uh, of any kind. The Steelers' three turnovers all came courtesy of Mitch Trubisky coming in in relief and playing from behind. I, I, both of these quarterbacks do so much better when they're, when they're playing either even or with a lead. It's just a different mentality of not having to take those extra chances. Now, you didn't see that from Kenny Pickett early on when he came in in his first, in his first game and threw three interceptions and and you know, brought the Steelers back to to lead the Jets in his first action, but then his interceptions led led to what ultimately became a loss. And he, it, it's been completely different ever since. When he's the guy running through practices and everything, he's constantly improved. But the big thing, the two biggest things I would say for the Steelers coming out of of their bye week, which happened in Week Nine, is they have not turned the ball over with Kenny Pickett. And the other thing for the offense is their third down conversions have been off the chart. 
So they've been um, getting themselves into more manageable third downs and converting those and not having to, and, and I think the two go hand in hand because when you're in third and long and you're really trying to sustain a drive, it's so much easier to, to, to do something to throw that interception. So those two things going hand in hand, I think has really um, brought the Steelers offense to be much better um, over the last four to six games. So before we move on to the offensive weapons, what do we want to see from Pickett in this next three weeks? What's like, like that next step for him? Um, I want to see him con- continue to play a clean brand of football, uh, make the wise decisions, um, run when you need to run, throw it away when you need to throw it away, and 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 don't feel like you have to force the ball to any one receiver because some there's so much being made over. Oh, George Pickens didn't get enough targets this game. Oh, Deontay Johnson didn't get enough. I mean, Pat Fairmuth wasn't even targeted last week. Um, and the Steelers have these offensive weapons, which I'm sure we're going to talk about here shortly, <laughs> that um, you don't have to necessarily go to one, work within the within the offense, and um, just, just continue to manage things and grow like you would expect a rookie to grow. So I'm curious, because you, you mentioned this in your answer, so I don't know if my question is the best for this, but I feel like okay. Deontay Johnson is going to be, or is supposed to be kind of that next number one receiver, but maybe hasn't quite stepped into that role. Do you think he's starting to show that signs, or is it kind of the Steelers, the way the Steelers operate, where maybe there's not a, a true the guy out wide? Yeah, well, the, the thing is, is a lot of Steelers nation would think George Pickens is the better number one. And that's because that guy catches everything. I mean, he's, you've, I mean, just being someone who watches the NFL, not necessarily following the Steelers, you've probably seen some of his catches. He had the crazy catch against the, uh, the Browns earlier this season. And they just, he doesn't get a lot of separation, but he doesn't need it because he just makes fantastic comeback catches. But when you have a rookie quarterback that struggled with throwing interceptions early, he might not want to look that way as much because he's not as open. Deontay Johnson, he just gets open. He's one of the best in the NFL at getting separation. And that's the key of why he generally gets targets. Now, he has a tendency sometimes in his routes where he's where he's coming back to the ball. He doesn't get going back up field right away. A lot of, you know, Steelers fans are saying, you know, going the wrong way, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So between the two of them, they're just, they're, they're two different receivers and it really kind of depends on what the Steelers need. If you're looking for that guy, that's going to be open. You should look to Deontay Johnson because he gets open. If you're looking for no one's open, I've got to throw the ball to someone, get it the, the best way you can to George Pickens, because he's more than likely to go up and get it and come down with it. Yeah, I noticed uh, when I was doing some research, George Pickens is already one of the has an insane contested catch rate. I think it has speaking to which speaks a little bit to what you're talking about of him struggling to create some separation, but he's obviously pretty damn strong at the catch point. I'm curious, is there between him and Deontay Johnson? And it sounds like I know my answer. Is there one that Kenny Pickett has um, more chemistry with right now? That's a great question. <laughs> um, honestly, I don't know that he has you know, necessarily a great chemistry with one over the other. I think it, it changes so much because, you know, George Pickens gets frustrated. He's not getting reception, you know, targets. Deontay Johnson was frustrated with him getting targets. I think that really comes down to who's the defense trying to take away. If you try to take away one of them, then look to the other one. 
is gotcha. it really should be the philosophy. So if they continue to go, grow together with the quarterback is going to be what's best for them. Right now, I would say there's there's probably more chemistry with the Deontay Johnson just because he's open, but there's getting to be more trust with George Pickens because he comes down with the ball. Gotcha. And then as far as second-year tight end, Pat Firemuth, can you talk about his growth from year to year and how he fits in with uh, Johnson and Pickens? Oh, I, I, I love that guy. He could, he could be one of those really great tight ends. I mean, of course, you know, when you look at things like the pro bowl, he's already got a lot of AFC tight ends that are really good out there. Like Kelsey Andrews Waller, you know, those guys that are, that are quality tight ends, but he's, He's a guy that that is just he's reliable. He's kind of in the in the mold of the Steelers Heath Miller early in Ben Roethlisberger's career uh, that he could lean on. Last week he didn't have any targets, but he he barely practiced the whole week because he was dealing with a foot injury, and that might have been that. Hey, let's let's just ease him out of the game plan a little bit. Um, so really, I, I like the three-headed monster that the Steelers have when it when it comes to receiving. You know, with one of them being the tight end, that Pat Fairmuth is just someone that I think that will continue to grow. At least production-wise, it kind of seems like Najee Harris has taken a little bit of a step back this season. So I'm curious, is that what you've seen on the field uh, th- through the first half of the season? Definitely, but not recently. He's really been coming into his own more. You could, you could tell that he just wasn't, didn't seem to be running in the same manner. The beginning of this season is what he did last year. Now he missed a lot of the preseason with a foot injury that the Steelers downplayed a a good bit, but it was more significant to, and affected him more than what they really wanted to acknowledge. But as the season's gone on and especially the bye week was a lot of good stuff for the Steelers. And this past week, Najee Harris, he didn't have the greatest, you know, yards per attempt, but he just, he ran angry and ran with a purpose. Um, You know, obviously not, not to the extent of Jacobs, but he's, you saw glimpses of more of what there was last year. And I, I do believe that a lot of that had to do with injury and some of it also with the quarterback situation. I'm also curious a little bit too about you know him in the passing game. Is, what, did the foot injury have a play role or play role in that, or is that kind of something that maybe Matt Canada at the, as the offensive coordinator can get him more involved in? Uh, that's a great question, and I don't know that I have a a great answer for you there either. Gotcha. Other than that, the Steelers are 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 finally doing something that they didn't do last year, and that is they have another option at running back, and that's with. Um, undrafted rookie Jalen Warren out of Oklahoma state. And he's been getting more of the receptions, but it's not like every time he comes into the game, Oh, it's obvious they're passing or anything like that, because he's also getting, getting some carries here and there. But when it comes to the passing game, he's been targeted more than Najee Harris. Uh, I don't know if that was to do with the injury or what, but uh, bottom line is the Steelers knew after last year that they needed to kind of manage his touches a little bit more Makes sense. because the, the amount of touches he got last year, especially as a rookie was just, it, it was something that was going to be concerning that over the course of his career, that would, that would really shorten his career. So I think they've done a better job in that aspect this season. And that could be part of the reason why he's not as, as involved as much in the passing game but he's also had a couple drops in there as well when they've, when they have thrown it to him. So when they have a, a more sure handed player running back, it's easier to look at that option. 
Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I know last year he would, I think he led all running backs and receptions and was yeah. up there in carries too. So that's uh, quite the workload for year one. Yeah. I do want to talk about the uh, the big uglies on this podcast. So <laughs> I know the Steelers offensive line was a big point of emphasis in the offseason. So what do they do to improve that? Well, they went out and they 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 signed Chuksakora for to um to a three-year deal uh coming off of his his rookie contract, which is crazy when you look at it that because that's the Steelers starting right tackle. And when they went to training camp, he hadn't had his birthday yet. Him and Kenny Pickett were the same age <laughs> until until Chooks had his birthday. So here he is on his second NFL contract, and he, he was the same age as, as as the rookie quarterback. So he's very young, and the, the Steelers invested in him and believed in him, and he's having a pretty good season. They brought in James Daniels from Chicago. They brought in Mason Cole uh, from, from Minnesota via – well, he, I, he, I'm pretty sure he started with Arizona and that's what they did to kind of revamp their offensive line. Uh, the left side are two guys on their rookie contracts. It's a, it's a, it's third year, Kevin Dotson, second year, Dan Moore. And the left side for a while, they really showed out as being a weakness, but as the offensive line needs to gel, you would kind of expect the younger guys to take that a, a little bit more. The offensive line looked terrible for the Steelers in the preseason. I mean, Steelers fans were ready for an offense that was just, you know, throw the ball in less than a second, hope that the running back when you try to run it doesn't get hit in the backfield. Because, I mean, last year, Najee Harris had, had it, his yards before contact were, was, I think, might have been the lowest in the NFL. It, it was pretty bad. But this offensive line, who, which I expected, you know, me being a former offensive line coach, I expected to be a big concern has actually done much better for the Steelers than, than what was um, anticipated. Doesn't mean they can't afford an upgrade next off season, but it, and it ended up being better than, than what was expected. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And I noticed it's pretty much been the same five guys, except for maybe one or two games. So have they you all, them? they've all started every game. Uh, there was one game where the Steelers center got hurt just before halftime. Um, and so, and he had missed, a, I think five snaps throughout the season before that. Um, other than that, Chooks of Corfor missed one snap where they stopped the game for him. He had to come out for a snap. The other three guys, 100% of the snaps on the season. So the continuity there is really a big deal, as, as you go to point out, that um, if they had a lot of moving parts in and out, I would have looked for this line to struggle even more. But uh, 
every once in a while, you'll see that occasional complete breakdown in communication. Uh, the, the the play that got um, Kenny Pickett knocked out in the Ravens game was an example of that. Um, but overall, they've they've done a nice job of cleaning it up much better and actually had a pretty nice game this past week. Well, hey, that's uh, almost frustrating here for, as a Raider fan's perspective who also had offensive line issues and they started yeah. the year with like five different combinations and five games settled in. Now injuries have, uh, have, sp- have uh, marred them in that position too. So mm-hmm. I'm jealous of you guys over there. <laughs> Switching gears to the other side of the ball, I have to start asking about Cam Hayward, who has been a beast through his 12-year career. My question really just is, is there any signs of him slowing down? A lot of Steelers fans thought he was slowing down this year. I thought maybe a little because there were some times all Cam was struggling. He did struggle against the Ravens, but he was trying to do too much, and he admitted it after the game. Um, Cam's my guy. That's the guy that, you know, that that's my favorite player as a fan. <laughs> um, re- really, that's the jersey I wear every game. Um, he's, he's He is, I think – you might be seeing the beginning of that slowdown because of his age, but he still brings so much uh, to this team that um, I'm, I'm personally holding on, hoping that it, that he's still got a few more good seasons left in him. So last week was the first game the Steelers played without Chris Wormley, who I believe tore an ACL. So who's yeah. replacing him and what are they going to be missing? Well, Chris Wormley was the starter last year. Um, when the Steelers had um, the Stefan Tuitt situation, who then who then retired in this offseason because of the tragic, with everything going on with the tragic loss of his brother, um, if you don't know anything about that situation, it it really is, it really was something tragic and beyond football, and that's what caused him to realize that you know his he he had more to do in his life. Chris Wormley was having a nice year this year because he didn't have to be the starter. Um, he is, he, he was the first guy in, in the rotation, which is what, which he is so much better at that than actually having to be the guy out there last year. He struggled against the run this year. He was doing great against the, against the run. So they, they lost him. They have some younger guys that they can use. Um, you know, they, um, they used a third round draft pick on DeMarvin Leal uh, this past year. They, they had a fifth round draft pick the year before and Isaiah Loudermilk. They have younger guys. The, the star, the other starter at, at the other defensive tackle position is Larry Ogunjobi, who has you know, made his rounds over, uh, around the AFC North because he was say, he's, both he's the, the Bengals Ravens and short, Browns. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, but he's just in on a one year deal. Um, but he just had a beast of a game against the Panthers. He's the one who's, who set the tone shutting down there. They're they're rushing attack right off the bat, so he really stepped up, knowing that you know you don't got the other rotational piece there. The Steelers still have Tyson Alualu. That's a guy that played. You know he was kind of a disappointment in Jacksonville. Played well for the Steelers. Missed most of last year with an ankle injury where he had to have surgery, and Father Time just caught up to him, and he's just you know he's probably looking at his last couple games in the NFL at this point. So the Steelers have that mix of some older guys towards the end and some younger guys that are trying to get established. So uh, they, they've got a lot of players that they play on the defensive line. Um, the, the Chris Wormley loss, I, some people are like, yeah, whatever. Um, it, it was significant. It really was. He was playing well for them, but uh, they do have a, that is one position where they did have a lot of pieces they could then plug in and rotate. So speaking of injuries, TJ Watt suffered a torn peck <laughs> in week one, but returned in week 10. So how different is Pittsburgh's defense without Watt in the lineup and how has he looked since he returned? 
well, if you look at the record, they won one game while he was gone. Um, and ever since he, he was drafted in 2017, that's the only game the Steelers have won when TJ Watt did not play. Wow. That is the impact of him. That's why he was the defensive player of the year last year. That's why he should have been the defensive player of the year two years prior. I'm sorry, Stefan Gilmore, you were way overrated. <laughs> he got burnt too much. Um, and then, and it, it would, and the, the year in between, it really was a toss up between him and Aaron Donald and who's going to argue against Aaron Donald. So that's the, that's the type of player TJ Watt is. Now, is he back to being that player after coming back from the torn pec? He got his, he got his knee cleaned up while he was out with that injury um, from, from an injury where he was, he was taken out low in a preseason game um, this year. So that was something else that he was dealing with. He wouldn't have missed that if he wouldn't have been injured otherwise. Um, but that was just went ahead and took care of it. He's also, he had a rib injury while he was back. And this past week was probably the best he had looked health wise for a while. He had, was still just banged up coming back from injury. So he's not the kind of guy that's going to shut it down and say, Hey, I'm banged up. You know, the, right. The, the odds of making the postseason are basically gone for both of these teams that, that he could just shut it down. But that's not TJ Watt. That's not who he is. And, uh, and he's starting, he, he's starting to, to come back a little bit from that. But I, you could tell he was, especially a few weeks ago, he was really banged up. But just being on the field, there's no way teams can, can just say, oh, well, we're going to it's no big deal that he's there. Yeah. They have to pay attention. When you come to the line of scrimmage out of the huddle, you've got to know where number 90 is. You have yeah. to, and you have to, and if you're going to leave someone out there with him on an Island, you're going to probably pay for it. Even, even if he's not a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I, I've always kind of viewed him as one of those guys, especially as a pass rusher where it's like just him being on the field as a bonus, yes. even if he's not recording anything on the stat sheet. Moving on to linebacker, Miles Jack was brought in during free agency and has recorded the most snaps out of any Steelers linebacker this season. I believe he's also coming off an injury. So what is the likelihood he's, he'll be playing and what does he bring brought to the Steelers defense? Well, that's really interesting because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the stats person for, for our, for our site behind the steel curtain. Gotcha. And so I, I do a lot of checking out these numbers and Miles Jack, he missed the game again in week 10. I was actually, I was, you know, in the stands for that game and he was active, but they didn't play him. He was kind of an, in case of emergency. I thought perhaps the Steelers would do that this past week, but, but they, they, they kept him out. He's dealing with a groin injury. There's no injury report yet um, that we have for right. Wednesday. Tuesday was estimated that he would have been limited. I don't know if he's back or not, but here's the here's the crazy number with Miles Jack. There's two games this season that he did not play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it was against the New, the New Orleans Saints and the Carolina Panthers. In those two games, the Pittsburgh Steelers held their opponent to under 30 yards rushing. In the two games that he did not play, there's only been six games in the NFL this year where a team was held to under 30 yards rushing and the Steelers defense has two of them. And they were both the, they were both the games that miles Jack was out and miles Jack, they know is a liability in coverage. They try to get him off the field um, during, during plays that he would obviously be in coverage. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's just because the Steelers spent extra time scheming things with Jack not being there and, and it worked. It, it doesn't really make sense when you, from just watching the film, but 
when Miles Jack hasn't played, the Steelers have been fine. Um, and you could even argue maybe even better. So it's one of those things where if he plays, that's great. And if he doesn't, the Steelers will figure it out. Interesting. Interesting. I do want to talk about Devin Bush because Pittsburgh oh, yeah. declined his fifth year option in the offseason too. Has he picked it up and played in that second contract? Maybe like a, a Josh Jacobs has, or maybe not quite on that level. Well, Steelers fans are really hard on Devin Bush. He's not been the same player since he hurt his knee his in his second season and missed the rest of the, of the year. Was not the same player last year coming off of it. And, and that's the reason he didn't get the fifth-year option picked up. So it's not that the Steelers would necessarily want know they're moving on from him, but they – but it's also not that he's blown any doors off that uh, that really makes it seem like he was worthy of the 10th overall pick when they traded up for him in 2019. If, if he's just come about more this year, um, as the season's gone on and got more confidence, I, I'm just not sure. But uh, he's been playing well over the last few weeks. Gotcha. We'll start to wrap up here with the secondary. And I want to start by talking about Minka Fitzpatrick, who I think is one of the best and most versatile safeties in the NFL. Can you touch on what his role is in Pittsburgh's defense? He's he's the everything guy. He's kind of the guy that, you know, let's let's figure out what Minka's going to do and everyone else is going to adjust to it. You know, and not not in the same style as as a Troy Palomalu, but in the same mentality of this is a guy that we want him to do his thing and whoever works with him is going to then cover for what he does that uh, he's, he's that kind of player um, been a great pickup for the Steelers. And when I say a quarterback has to come to the line and know where number 90 is, if they, they would be very foolish that they also didn't check out where number 39 was. And when TJ Watt was out, I felt that that was a, a really big thing. I'm like, they're coming to the line and they're seeing where Mika Fitzpatrick is. And that's all they have to worry about. Not all they have to worry about, but of the main, of, of right. the main things that you have to know. And so many times people are like, oh, Minka wasn't really seen much in this game. That's because they avoided him. If, yeah. if quarterbacks are smart, they will avoid him um, just because he he just has a knack for the ball. Yeah. And I feel like it's part of what makes the Steelers defense so tough. It's like we're talking about, you got to know where TJ Watt is, you got to know where Cam Hayward is, and you got to know where, yeah. where uh, Minka Fitzpatrick is. Oh, and by the way, you got 10 seconds to figure that all out and snap the ball yeah. and get ready to go. So definitely makes it challenging. I do feel like cornerback might be a weak spot on the Steelers oh, defense. Yeah. So I'm assuming you, I take it you agree with that. So can you shine some light on who's going to be playing on, on Saturday? Yeah. It, I mean, the Steelers traded for William Jackson, the third from Washington. He came in practice during the bye week and got hurt and went on IR. So that's not someone that's, that's been in the mix. There was no announcement that he's even been brought back to practice. Um, so it's Cam Sutton is their is their main corner. Uh, Levi Wallace, who came over from Buffalo last year, um, Akella Witherspoon's on IR as well. Uh, undrafted James Pierre fills fills in. The Steelers have actually been running more three safety look more than anything with with Minka Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds, and Demonte KZ, who led the NFL in interceptions several years ago for the Falcons. Um, or Cowboys, whichever team I played for both teams. I can't remember which one he yes. was with when he did that one. Um, so that they do that a little bit more. Um, the Steelers' biggest problem is they don't really have a number one corner. They just have guys. So that's really something that they could work on and can improve this this offseason. 
um, is to really get someone who's the guy. You know, Joe, Joe Hayden slowed down. Last year was his last year coming back from, from an injury. He just wasn't the same player, and the Steelers don't have, haven't had anything since. Gotcha. So last question here. I'm curious about the fan base's opinion on Mike Tomlin. Because from an outsider's perspective, it seems like there's a growing level of frustration with Tomlin since the Steelers haven't won a playoff game since 2016 and have only had one 10-win season in the last five years. As I say that as a Raiders fan, I just can't help but think how spoiled Steelers fans have been. But I am curious for what the uh, the pulse check on that. Yeah, because I, I try to remind Steelers fans of this all the time on our podcast. I'm like, when I speak to other people who cover other teams, they say, <laughs> well, like even last year, I had, I had people asking me, it seems like this team is winning more games than they should, mainly because of Mike Tomlin. And I'm like, well, tell that to Steelers fans because they think the only reason they ever win is in spite of him. Yeah. Um, there, there are those that, that really like Mike Tomlin, those that have, have felt like his, he's, he's, it's gone, it's gotten, the message has gotten old and stale and the Steelers really need to move on. But that's not really what the Steelers do. Um, and, and I get frustrated because anytime you say anything critical of Mike Tomlin, people instantly put you in as the, as a Tomlin hater and anything that you say, anything, you know, uh, complimentary of Mike Tomlin. Oh, you're just a Tomlin apologist. I'm like the real place is in the middle. Mike <laughs> Tomlin, I feel right. is a great NFL coach. There are definitely things that, that he does that I question. I'm, I'm constantly frustrated with, what I call major clock mismanagement at the end of the first half. I mean, my goodness, when the, when the Steelers played the Raiders, um, uh, when, when Chris Boswell, I can't remember what year it was, when Chris Boswell slipped on yeah, the, for the tie and field goal, yeah. they completely mismanaged the clock and gave the Raiders the opportunity to take the lead in that game. That was the end of the second half. But so many times at the end of the first half, you know, they'll take their timeouts too early to give themselves enough time when really they're giving their opponent time to do something after the Steelers don't have the ball anymore. So there's things like that that are frustrating. But at the same time, sometimes you just look at the Steelers roster and you're like, this team is winning more games than what this roster really should win. Yet there is a part of Steelers nation that feels like this, you know, um, the Steelers got all the talent in the world. It's the coaches holding them back. I'm like, look at the roster and tell me where all the talent in the world is. This is a collective. This is a unit. This is, this is coaches and players working together. Um, I think it would kind of be a lot like Ben Roethlisberger. If Mike Tomlin was no longer the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, it probably would not take long for a lot of people to realize what they had and that they wish they would have kept it. I can definitely see where you're coming from on that part. I feel like, yeah. And I feel like that's the truth too. I, I don't know. I've always thought Tom was a pretty good coach. So it's, yeah. it's weird to see people get uh, frustrated with them. Yes. Dave, thanks again for coming on, man. Real quick before you go, where can good, where can people find your work? Well, people can find me at behind the steel curtain.com. I am the editor of the website. Um, it's, it's of course it's your one-stop shop for all things mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers you can follow us on Twitter at BT Steel Curtain you can follow me personally at what I was get made fun of as the world's longest Twitter handle it's <laughs> STLR short for Steelers STLR super fan dad that is my Twitter handle and um just if 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 you want to check out what the other side's doing just come on over be cordial we have a great community just come and join in Awesome. Yeah. Everybody make sure to go keep, keep uh, Dave a follow there. You guys know where to follow me on Twitter at Holder 95. Make sure to follow silver and black pride. Other than that, until next time guys. <laughs>